This is Brett Jones from Relationship Warrior Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs, singles, and couples who want to have it all across all areas of life and know that relationship is the primary area that you have to be magnificent in. Hello and welcome to the Perth Entrepreneur Podcast with me, Neil Gibb. Today, we have the relationship experts. We've got Brett and Marie Jones from the Relationship Warrior Code. Hi, guys. Hello, Neil. Uh, hi, Neil. How are you? Thank you so much for having us uh, on the podcast. We're very excited to be here. Not a problem. I'm excited to have you two on as well because this week we're, we're doing a, a week of mind, body, health, uh, relationships, which is where you two come into it, and finances. So, um, absolute pleasure that you uh, give us some time to come on the podcast and share some of your knowledge with us. Great. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Looking forward to diving into that. Brilliant. So the relationship warrior code, it sounds a little bit like a, a martial arts sort of thing. Is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, are, we actually are both into martial arts. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a, um, a black belt in um, karate and Marie. I used to fight for Australia and I used to fight for Ireland in judo. Yeah. Oh, I bet you're right. I'm interested, Just as an aside. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But no, the Relationship Warrior Code uh, came about um, from our own um, personal journey in terms of, um, you know, making better people of ourselves. Yeah. And uh, we've done personal development uh, events and uh, seminars, et cetera, now for nearly 30 years, 28 years to be precise. Yeah. And one of the things that we saw, Neil, is that on the journey, it's a bit like you're doing this week, as you said, you know, you can work on one aspect of yourself. So you work on finances, but then you find that perhaps your relationship is impinging on what you're trying to do in finances. Mm-hmm. Or you might go in and work on your body and then you find out that your mindset is not quite right to be able to implement the strategies necessary when it comes to uh, working on your body. Mm-hmm. So what we came up with was a, a concept of what we call a kingdom. And the kingdom is really your life. Yep. And uh, we came up with the concept of a king and a queen and running that kingdom. And what we found is that two is more powerful than one. When we're working together, we can achieve a lot more than we can achieve individually. And it doesn't matter what's happening, you know, any part of the kingdom, if you're both working together, just the two energies are able to cope with it with less stress. Yeah. So when we looked at the kingdom, it was like, okay, what areas are there? So the first area is relationships. When that area is strong, when we're good, then we can achieve a lot more in the other areas. The second area is the treasury, you know, our finances. And that comes down to two areas within the treasury. The first is um, our income, generating income. And then the second is um, growing assets. So those two areas are distinct and unique and both need to be addressed within that area. Then you get to, um, you know, out of relationships comes uh, the boudoir, or the bedroom, oh, so that's yeah. very important uh, area because that reflects, you know, what's going on overall. But certainly an area that guys like to focus on particularly, <laughs> you know, we very much enjoy talking about that area. Yeah. Um, and the differences in that area is huge. You know, when you start understanding the differences, it makes such a difference, you know, in the bedroom, right. in the boudoir. Absolutely. Then you've got uh, the heirs, so our children. Uh, and if you don't have kids, it's what legacy are you passing down uh, through the generations by our presence here you know, in the world, in the universe? What are we passing? And uh, the dojo. 
which is uh, our fitness and our health being again two very distinct and unique areas because you need you know one area affects another area you know and to to hold a communication call you need a fit healthy body and mind so if you're feeding it crap you're going to be unable to um be able to communicate in the way that you need to mm -hmm. so one area affects the other yeah and lastly is the temple so in, in just going back to the dojo for a second you can be fit but not healthy you can be healthy but not fit so you need both in those areas. And then the last area, again, one of the most important ones is the temple, which is how do we make sense of the world? What are our beliefs? What's our mindset resulting out of those beliefs? And then we have to ask the question, how did we end up with those beliefs and how do we end up with that mindset? So when we created the Relationship Warrior Code, we came to a realization um, uh, pretty much out of writing this book, uh, Awaken. Yep. for um, understanding that we all go through conditioning in life now. We've yep. all been conditioned. We've been conditioned by the culture. We've been conditioned by events that we've been through. And we've been conditioned via the role models that we have, primarily parents, but sometimes teachers, aunties, uncles, brothers and sisters, all influence us. But then the resulting influence becomes what we call a pattern. Uh, a way of showing up in the world. So there's a stimulus on the outside of us and then the pattern kicks in. So we, we act the way our environment around us basically directs us to act. Yeah, because we, we saw that, um, you know, as we started to focus very much on the relationship area and as we started to go more into statistics of it, um, you know, our official divorce rate in Australia at the moment is about 45%. Wow. Um, but when you add in, sorry, 48%, when you add in um, those that are in de facto relationships to that, our actual breakup rate um, is around 60%. Wow, that's insane. It is. It is. And then, you know, the, this generation, um, they're living together, not choosing not to get married. Mm. And statistically, you know, their breakup rate is even higher. Yeah. So, so that's not the answer. So being in a de facto relationship, the breakup rate in that is actually higher than the divorce rate. So that as a strategy or a way of dealing with relationships doesn't work. In other words, in a marriage, they tend to last longer anyway. But you know, where we're coming from is, okay, we set a goal, we want to save a million marriages around the world. Yep. And the divorce rate is consistent in the UK, um, in, in all Western countries. It's up around that rate when you take into account the fact of relationships. So it was like, and then we went back into history and went, hang on, what changed? Like, you know, 100 years ago, we didn't have this divorce rate. We didn't have these relationship problems. Yep. And when we looked into the numbers on it, um, prior to World War I and World War II, the divorce rate was about 10%. And certainly, I think most people, and I certainly thought, well, people didn't used to get divorced back then, but they did. Um, but it was only a 10% of, the, of the, um, the population. And then after World War I and World War II, it jumped to 40%. So it went up four times. After World like, War II. Wow. Yeah. You know, what happened? And then as we went into research around that, what we got to see is that there was a major event of conditioning, a major cultural change around the world. When, when you think about it, it makes total sense now. All us guys were conditioned to go out and kill people. During the war. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our fathers were conditioned to go out and kill people. 
And to do that, you have to do one major thing. You have to shut down your emotions. Mm -hmm. So most men were trained in shutting down their emotions. Meanwhile, at home... It was great for the women because for the first time, there was opportunities to go and work. Yeah. Um, so they went into the factories and helped build the war machines, which needed to happen, you know, and women loved it. But not only were they uh, building the war machines, were they working, they were still looking after the kids, they were still looking after um, the house, they were still looking after their parents, and most likely checking into his parents too. So it was, it was the beginning um, for women emotionally starting to um, take care of everything. Mm -hmm. And often even women today, they're tired, you know, they're sick of being everything to everybody. Yeah. And that was the beginning of them being everything to everybody. Yeah. So after those significant worldwide events, we ended up with a culture um, where now men are closed off. They came back from the war different. We would now call it PTSD, but yeah. we didn't have that term back then. So the women noticed that and they still did what women do, which is cope really well. And they allowed that in their men and then still stepped up and did everything. Yeah. The baby boomer generation then modeled that. So now you've got a generation of little kids growing up, modeling their fathers, shutting down emotionally, virtually emotionally experiencing their fathers have got chest plates on to protect them, like yeah. emotional chest plates. Mm -hmm. And the women were doing everything. So we had a shift where a lot of men were now shifting into what you could call the masculine state, but now it's become the feminine state where they're not coping, they're not dealing with things they need to deal with, and they're not open emotionally. Meanwhile, the girls have shifted into the masculine state, stepping up and handling everything. Yes. And, you know, I remember, uh, as an example, my father would come home from work. In those days, you used to get um, a little... Envelope with your pay, your cash in it, yep. and your pay slip, and he would rip the top off that, I'll give it to mum. She would peel off, um, you know, some some dollars, and that would be his spending money to go down the pub. <laughs> you know, and that's if you think about it, that's how that generation handled it, right? It happens now, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So <clears throat> that dynamic then created. Um, what was against the natural order of how men and women are. Mm -hmm. And then we got to the 60s and that emphasised it even further. Now women were equal to men. They could go out, get work, work the same positions, the same jobs, do what men do. Which needed to happen and that, that was great. Absolutely, needed to happen. But the culture, and I'm talking about now the worldwide culture, took that too far. The culture then virtually said, that we're the same. And we're not the same. You know, what I want from a relationship or what I want from any part of the kingdom is totally different to what Brett wants. Yeah. And what that means in terms of the communication, if a guy is predominantly in this prince rather than king or feminine state, his testosterone level drops by 40%. Really? That's yeah. significant. Yeah. And if his testosterone level drops, she will immediately feel unsafe, is a word a woman would use to describe it. So the oxytocin then drops. Correct. So yeah, then she yeah, feels... Correct. Yeah. Yeah. She, the, she then feels, okay, there's a void here. Someone needs to step up. So she'll step into the masculine state 
and start handling everything and start telling him what to do. Yeah, and can we switch between masculine and feminine energy? Absolutely. 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 Right through my 20s, I ran my businesses with my masculine. When you did judo, it was from the masculine. Yeah, absolutely. And is is there a way that somebody can sense the sense of the, yeah. the type of energy that they're yeah. giving up. Yeah, women women are pretty intuitive. Like women know when they're in their masculine or in feminine. You know, you, you get the same job done. When I ran my businesses in my 20s, I was running from the masculine. Now I run them from the feminine. I get the same work done. Running from the masculine, I feel tired and exhausted. Mm-hmm. Running from the running my companies from the feminine, I actually feel elated. So right. you know so you get the same results, just a different energy and you feel different. Yeah, and a, a woman knows when she's in the masculine or feminine. A man, unfortunately, um, usually doesn't know. Men relate more, Neil, to the term prince rather than king. So when you're a prince, you go down the pub with the boys, uh, you go out on bike rides with them, spend a lot of time with the guys, have a few beers, have a few laughs, um, focus on work, come home, let her handle the house, pretty much. And that's the conditioning that we've been used to as we've been brought up. Yeah, yeah, correct. So what we got to see is those states need to shift. Men need to remember now how to be in that king or masculine state because that increases our testosterone level, obviously good for our health as well, but also automatically what happens, and this is not just our theory, this is backed up by scientific research. What immediately happens is, because you can take blood tests to prove this, um, her oxytocin levels will increase by 30% which is the connector hormone, obviously. So it makes you feel close and connected. So when we came up with the communication code, we came up with a sequence of conversation that enables that to occur. But one of the principal trainings that we do is how we show how people to alter state, to get into that masculine state. Because there's three and a half thousand words in Unix language describe emotional states. Everything from um, feeling good, feeling great, to feeling amazing, to feeling worried, concerned, stressed, anxious, or depressed. Mm-hmm. On a scale, there's three and a half thousand states we can be in. And again, what research shows is we do about 70 to 80 of those states, emotions per day. Wow. But after a while, because of the conditioning I've been talking about from culture, from events and from role models, we tend to stay in about 10 to 12, eight of which we would term being negative states, worried, concerned, stressed. Anxious, depression. I call it sad. People now have mastered three states, stress, anxiety, and depression. There's a lot of that going on right now. Around the world. So we've become masters of those states as a way of coping because as children, as kids, we learned how to use those states to, in theory, protect ourselves, but it didn't actually protect us. It actually made it worse. So when you go into something like stress, you get a lot of shit done. Why but it has it? a profound effect on your relationship, a profound effect on your health when you're stressed. And there's other ways to motivate yourself besides stress. Yeah, yeah. much better. <laughs> people, people are using stress as a trigger for motivation to get more done. Yeah. Correct. Right. Is that why deadlines seem to work yeah. so well? When you've got a deadline, you can get more done. Yeah. Correct. Right. Correct. And if you're a stress head, you know you're a stress head. You know you can use that um, cortisol, right, and adrenaline that comes up when you are stressed to push yourself to get things done. 
Mm-hmm. Equally, when you're anxious, that can be the result of living in an environment when you're a kid where there was a lot of stress, a lot of fighting, a lot of um, things going on in, in the environment that we then modelled and we now live with a background sense of anxiety. And equally, depression can be a place where we can go to comfort ourselves. We go inside to protect ourselves to comfort. And as anyone that experiences depression knows, you don't stay in depression forever. You come in it and you go out of it. You come back in it and you go out of it. Mm -hmm. It's a cycle that we do. So learning that these states uh, are created, we create them in particular ways. We create them from the way that we're thinking about things the way that we hold our body impacts on our hormone levels. It impacts on our uh, serotonin levels, which has a big influence on whether we feel depressed or not. Because most of our serotonin is in fact in our stomach or in our head. So our stomach produces about 85% of our serotonin. So how we use our body can have a big influence on the emotions that we feel. So as we began to understand these things, In our events, what we do is we help people remove the conditioning first, and then we teach strategies in every area, every territory of the kingdom. Strategies in wealth, strategies in creating, um, you know, assets. As as you probably know from my background, Mm -hmm. you know, I built a four hundred million dollar company in my twenties. By the time I was twenty three, wow, impressive. So if you can do that at twenty three, there is a sequence and a formula that you use to be able to do that. I use just one method, one strategy to do that, but I was in a particular state when I did it. And that was a state and a mindset that on the positive side of pattern had been created. Um, I sort of joke about it that uh, I was too young and stupid not to know that I couldn't do it. Yep. <laughs> it's everybody, isn't it? it? It works, right? If you don't know you can't do something and you just yeah. go out and do it, then you don't have any of the normal blocks. Mm-hmm. And we've got to see things like, Neil, um, you know, our family can have a huge impact. Like I recently worked uh, on a mentoring basis with a, a client in Los Angeles and um, he'd been handed his company by his father. And there was a, a feeling of, I don't want to do better than my father in place. Right. I also don't want to do better than my brother. He, he didn't, he wasn't aware of that, but that. You know, that came out. That was the unspoken family um, dynamic or pattern that had been put in place. And he's conditioned to thinking that, and it was a a mental block that he couldn't break through. Correct. Uh, More particularly, uh, an emotional block that he couldn't break through. So as he tried to do it, he would feel guilty, and immediately his income level would drop. And people say, well, how does that happen? It happens in the tone of voice. It happens in the words that you use with the customer that you're trying to sell unconsciously and you're literally sabotaging yourself unconsciously the moment that we worked emotionally with him his income this year and this is now uh, two years later will be five times what it was when i first worked with him in the first year he doubled his income just by changing that one pattern if you think about it we know this already We, we all know the term black sheep and golden child yeah yeah inside families yeah yeah and they become roles that we play. Mm. And if we play that role in the family, then the currency for keeping us in place is love. So if I really love my family, I'm not going to exceed the income level of my father. 
becomes yeah. the emotional contract that is put in place. So as we started to understand these things, we, we started to find very powerful levers that we could move and shift to enable people to break through these things that were holding them back in place in areas like the treasury or even in the relationship. Like and I didn't know with Marie that I couldn't step up and be the guy that she needed to be, me to be, um, in the masculine state. Because I had no idea what the hell the masculine state was. We've all got blind spots. These are blind spots that, you know, you need a mentor to help shine a light on those blind spots. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with the six different areas of the relationship warrior kingdom, mm. um, what sort of, could you give us one thing from each area that we could potentially someone might not know about these five different areas or six different areas. And you might mention one thing that sort of triggers somebody's thinking. I think, oh, maybe this is worth me looking into more because this is basically how I came across you two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So with relationships. I'll start with the boudoir. You know, I think that's really a important part. And I think women can rip themselves off in this area. You mm -hmm. know, often it can be a place where they want it less and they disconnect. And when you understand the differences, you can have some humor with each other. Yeah. And, you know, for instance, in the boudoir, women need to feel close before they want to make love. So they need words and they need him sharing. Then they feel close and then they want to make love. Right. For a guy, it's the opposite. They need to make love. Then they feel close, then they want to talk. So, you know, just in that area where the opposites. And if we don't use humor and, and recognize and understand those differences, we can, that part of our relationship um, can slowly die. Yeah. So in the relationship um, area, first of all, we need to remove the patterns that stop us from implementing because yeah. we've gained an understanding of what a relationship is as a pattern from two people that we would have modeled. If that model does not work in accordance with how men and women actually are, then we've got a big problem. We're going to get divorced effectively. So we need to remove the conditioning out of the way, then we need to implement the strategies. And the strategies is understanding the basic differences between us. Like she uses 28,000 words per day on average, <laughs> right? And the connection between left and right hemisphere in her brain, which is called the corpus callosum, is twice the size in a guy's brain. So that means we're smarter than you. Yep. My wife that one. <laughs> yeah, we never disagree with that. What it actually means is that they will go through a conversation and they'll start um, this morning as an example on how the view looks beautiful to she feels like a cup of tea and um, did I pay this bill? That all happened in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, you know, like, you know, you, you change the subject and Brett's, Brett, honestly, he's looking at me trying to follow and it's like, oh my God, can you keep up? And, you know, I can get annoyed that he can't keep up. And this is where the confusion comes into every relationship, isn't it? Because there's so much going on in everybody's heads that we're both thinking about different things while we're both in the same area supposedly being connected and communicating properly. Yeah. And, and for a woman, if you say it with the wrong tone, um, she can yeah. take offense of that and, you know, take it the wrong way. So if she's in the masculine stage, she's communicating to me. So now we've got two masculine entities against each other. 
or I will fall back into Prince state and start whinging and complaining about her. But if we've got two masculine energies, she's trying to tell me what to do. I'm going to resist that. But men take concepts one at a time. We want to talk about this, then we want to talk about that. So again, we're polar opposites. All right. We have um, one language center, one area of our brain that lights up. Um, when, you, you know, when you measure brain neural activity, we have one area that lights up. She has five that light up. Yeah. All emotionally connected. Every word to her has an emotion attached to it. Every memory has an emotion attached to it. To us, an anniversary is a date. It's a specific time that something yeah. happened. Yeah. It doesn't have all the emotions attached to that memory. For her, it does. And if we don't understand that when communicating, I will communicate to her like a guy would communicate to another guy, expecting that she will respond with facts and information. She's going to respond with emotion. She is going to um, take her time to come back with a response and think about it and ruminate on it, or she'll talk about something else before she gives me the answer. <laughs> All these things become extremely irritating if you don't understand the differences. And in, in you know, Brett, you know, shortening what I have to say, you know, or minimizing, you know, what I have to say, because I've got a lot more words explaining something, and him minimizing that, then um, the female feels um, shut down or, or unlistened to, or that you don't care, it is, think, is, is how we feel. So it'd be like, Marie, did you pay the bill yesterday? She would then go, well, you mean the bill to Mary. Did you know that Mary uh, and her husband are having problems at the moment? I was just discussing that yesterday with Mary and she was telling me, and then there'll be this big, long story, right? And then eventually, about 10 minutes later, it'll be like the question still hangs in the air. Did the bill get paid? But for a woman, the experience is I need to share the full experience. For a guy, it's just a fact. Did the bill get paid or not? Yeah. And I think, right, there'll be so many people now listening to this, there'll be women going, mm-hmm, yeah. just going, <laughs> Totally right. Man. I'm For us guys, it's just like, why do they do that? And for girls, they'll be like, well, why can't you be more emotional? Yeah, and, and I'm definitely guilty for this constantly because I definitely communicate to my wife as I would do to anybody else. I've been a tradie in teams of, of men and we've just had direction, clear cut instruction, this is what you need to do and this is how you do it. And I've been guilty of communicating that like that to my wife yeah. all the time. And it's only the last few days since we've came across you two guys and that material <laughs> that we've been, she's literally nodding her head as you're talking about things going, yep, this is exactly how my brain works, babe. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to the stage where, yeah. you know, I will say to Brett, you know, if he's out all day and comes home and gives me a, a one sentence answer it's like oh i need more words and you know he'll get into state and give me more words so you know once you understand the differences then you can play with those yeah yeah definitely and hence you know that's the strategy but if i'm not in the right state when i communicate that so one of the statistics that we saw was um yeah. done in a university of california los angeles study um, 93% of communication is non-verbal. So it's not just the words. So the words are only 7% of the communication. So it's the state I'm in when I'm doing it as to whether the words are effective or not. Mm -hmm. And the words will be influenced by the state that I'm in. 
So different states are using different words. So that completely city. impacts on the effectiveness of the communication, not just in relationship, when it comes to business. Or choosing an investment. What state are you in when you're choosing an investment is so important. Yeah. It's so important to master states. So making an investment decision in the wrong state, cognitively, in terms of what I notice, alters. So if I'm in the wrong state, I will only notice part of the facts available in making that investment decision. And how can we control our state? And if it's really coming and we're stressed or we're frustrated, we've had a, a crappy day, things haven't gone right. We had one of them days yesterday. Yeah. Um, how can you, what tricks have you got for changing your state so that you can communicate to your partner better? Yeah, three principal ways. So first of all, in terms of what we allow our attention onto, Am I focused on all the negative statistics around coronavirus right now? That's going to put me in a shitty state. Because what you focus on expands. Mm. So, I'm, you know, so if I'm focusing on all the deaths, then that's what's going to expand. If I focus on the fact there are 7 billion people on the planet and so far 70,000 people have died, unfortunately, obviously, but only 70,000 people have died, um, so actually a very, very small proportion of the total population. Will this last forever? Well, the answer is no. If I focus on the fact it's not going to last forever, and I'm focusing on there is going to be a change in this, and now it's a question of what am I going to do when the change happens? It's like in the, in the stock market. You know, um, if people follow my social media stuff, a couple of posts that I've just put up are things like um, what goes down uh, must come up. Definitely. Um, people... Um, run when they should be buying. Like Warren Buffett says. Exactly, right? So when we realize that, when you're in fear, if you're in fear right now, you're not gonna be buying stocks. What you should be doing right now is buying all the blue chip stocks you can possibly afford. Because over the next couple of years, you will make a lot of money, but then people go, oh yeah, but we're gonna go into recession. Even if we go into recession, we will come out of that recession. Mm. That is guaranteed. It's, it's just a fact. It's not a question. It's a question of when, but it's not a question of if. So, we so if we know this, then we should, should be devoting part of our income to buying those things right now so that our assets grow in value. These are simple rules, but they are unbreakable rules. Just as much as if I try and get her to use less words, that is an unbreakable rule. <laughs> it's not going to work, Neil. <laughs> because every woman around the planet uses lots of words, unless she's in the masculine state. And then she will use less words and act more like the behaviours of, of the masculine rather than the feminine. And a lot of women uh, live in the masculine state these days, as a lot of men live in prince or feminine state these days. And then often... You know, if I'm working with a woman, she'd often say, oh, look, I've got two kids, but with my husband, it's like having three kids. That's a man living in his feminine state. You know, yeah. she's doing everything. Yeah. Do you think social media has got a part to play in some of this as well? Because you, you touched on the fact that relationships, was it 60% or 65% of relationships? Yeah. Break down? yeah. Yeah. You think social media has a part to play in this? Absolutely. You know, I looked at, um, I was a few years ago now, and it was on TV. And they had, I think they have it yearly in Australia. It's a competition for um, uh, mom of the year, I think it's called, or mother of the year. Mm -hmm. And they had this woman who won. 
and they were speaking to the judges and one of the questions they asked was what were you looking for in a woman and they said we were looking for a woman who put herself last and i couldn't believe it you know this woman who won was exhausted she was tired she was worn out and that's what they were holding up as woman of the year and that was really sad for women i thought Mm, definitely because the other people watching that and thinking that is the way to be the perfect mother yep correct it's it's the opposite culturally socially that's now what we uh, experience think and try and create whereas it's exactly the opposite like around the world now it doesn't matter where we're talking when you ask women they all feel tired they all feel exhausted because they're trying to be everything to everybody Mm. and we teach in fact the opposite of that we teach you need to put yourself first unselfishly but if you don't have uh, the fuel in you if you're not looking after you you can't give to everybody else certainly not the relationship or your kids Mm. and when you talk about fuel we're talking about diet nutrition getting in that state meditation looking after your mindset what what do you need Mm. and often it can often it's small often it's just i need a 20 minute walk by myself yeah well you know it doesn't have to be huge yeah and women you know traditionally now culturally don't do that you know they feel guilty when they go to do that for themselves Mm. so that dynamic has to change it's one of the major things that does have to change and often you know women will put kids before the relationship and often men will put work before the relationship and it doesn't work yeah the best thing you can give your kids is you two being together and when women fall into that trap then they step into the masculine state to try and deal with that because that's what they've been shown they need to do to be able to cope it's not what they need to do in fact they need to stay in the feminine state get more into flow more into intuition knowing intuitively what to do and in that state they actually have lots of energy yeah right so obviously with the way everything's going in the world right now and everybody is working from home there's the daily routines have been disrupted people are spending a lot more time with each other in the house and the kids are running around what three to five sort of simple hacks or tips or tricks could you give anybody listening to this now that could maybe just make that small little change that could make a massive difference to the way they're feeling or the way they approach the day or the way they communicate with a partner absolutely look i think I think, Neil, it's important to, you know, you can't worry about what you can't control. So, you know, a lot of people have had to shut down their businesses, stand down staff, etc., and they have to ride it out. You know, you can't, you can't focus on that and worry about what you can't control. What you can control is what's happening in your environment and at your home. And I think with a lot of people who you, you've maybe got two busy people and all of a sudden um, they're facing each other. And what's great about that is this is an opportunity to to get because the crap's already there this is just shining on you know being home is just shining a light on what's already there between you and it's an awesome time to start at okay what do we need to shift here you know what do we need to do so we both get on the same page Mm -hmm. so looking after your mindset what am i focused on like we said before are we focused on all the statistics and the, the deaths or are we focused on okay there's a great opportunity right now. If you are at home and you are unemployed and you're getting the benefits or whatever, take advantage of that. What else can you do? We could be doing lots of podcasts as an example. Yeah. 
and you know, spreading positivity and, and doing things online that are now available to us. Mm-hmm. So worrying about your mindset or watching where your mindset is, is, is tip number one. Tip number two is it's an ideal opportunity to begin to understand the differences. Um, as you know, we, we have a lot of podcasts ourselves. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of tips. They're all free. Learning the differences between uh, men and women and focusing in on the relationship and strengthening that relationship. Spending more quality time uh, with your kids would be number three. Yeah. And ask, you know, ask yourselves, you know, speak the truth, okay? What, what do you need, Brett, today? And sometimes it's space. And if that's space, that's okay. You don't have to take offense to that. We do need our space. Yeah. So then I know, okay, well, today he can just do his own thing and I'll go and do my own thing. So it's okay to have your own space in a small environment. Mm. Yeah. We're not locked in the house. I mean, obviously, you can go for walks, you can go down the beach and, and get into that environment. So, being at the beach, being in the forest, or things like that becomes a trigger to alter our state mm-hmm. because it's what we're focused on. The second part of that is what we're doing with our body. If I go and exercise or I change my body position, that actually alters in my brain the hormones that I'm releasing. So, being aware of how I'm holding my body, what I'm doing with it, am I exercising it? Um, you know, right now is a great opportunity to create exercises uh, inside. You know, we've, my son has just got a, uh, a chin-up bar, which we've got mounted between a, a door, and we're both using that at the moment, doing yeah. lots of chin-ups. Uh, we're having a little competition. He's 14, so he thinks it's great. <laughs> uh, to see who can do the most chin-ups. He's winning. So creating things like that in the alteration of your environment becomes powerful for you, not um, depowering. And music is... Brilliant. You know, start your day, put some great music on that makes you feel good. And just uh, yesterday, I think it was, I just said to Brett, I want to go for a walk by myself. You know, because I wanted to blast my Irish music in my ears and I yeah. wanted to go for a walk. And, and, you know, not the other person taking that as an attack. That's okay. Yeah. That's just me putting myself first unselfishly. So it, it harks back to the principle, again, one of the principles that we teach, which is it's not what's happening on the outside, it's how we respond to what's happening. Yeah. That either creates a great life or an ordinary life. Because there's always, it's like having peace in the middle of turmoil. There's always going to be turmoil of some sort, either with a partner, a parent, a child, a neighbour, work. So it's about creating that peace in the middle of turmoil, and that's what we're doing now. Yeah, and that's why I wrote the, the Awakening book, right, which is a, a book on a guide to inner peace and enlightenment. What that really means is how do we have peace in the middle of whatever is happening around us? How do we master that inside ourselves so we can respond in the right way to what's occurring? Yeah, excellent. So control the controllables, work on the mindset. That's tip number one. Yep. Um, understand the differences between how people communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. The two, and spend quality time with the kids and the family. And quality time doesn't necessarily mean restaurants, bars, cinema trips, and stuff like that. It can be simple walks along the foreshore, walks to the park, trips to the forest, stuff like that. Board game. Yeah. yeah, playing board game. Board game with the kids. I think we've done Monopoly like three <laughs> times so far. I keep losing. Yeah, even with your experience. I know. <laughs> I know. The kids keep buying up all the right properties in the hotels, and I keep freaking landing on them. What's going on? <laughs> So where can anybody that's listening to this now and wants to know more about you, the two of you and the relationship warrior code, where can they find more information about it and the book as well? Yeah, sure. So they can go to uh, relationshipwarrior.org, O-R-G. 
And on our website, we've got links through to our YouTube channel, through to uh, our podcast, which is available on Spotify and um, iTunes, etc. So, you know, some great free resources there. It's also got all our events. And we've got a couple of great um, uh, online courses there as well. So a series of online courses you can take to learn more about the differences and more, yep. more, learn more about communication. Yeah, my wife and I have just done that one. Yes. Brings up some interesting conversations. Brings up some very, very interesting conversations. That's good. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. There's always somewhere to go, no matter where your relationship is. If you've got a great relationship, fantastic. You can make it better. You know, there's always somewhere to go in a relationship. Yeah, excellent. And everything in this universe grows. And that's including people and that's including relationships. And if you're not growing and the relationship's not growing, you're slowly dying. And that, unfortunately, you know, is, is often what happens. You know, we see people come to us and they've left it, you know, to that 11th hour uh, before they do something in a relationship. If you know your relationships, um, not great and it can be better that's when you need to reach out that's when you need to start learning new skills before it gets to critical stage yeah right excellent and particularly guys unfortunately you know tend to do that they wait until the last minute and call and go she's leaving what can i do well by that stage it gets pretty difficult you know particularly if she's got to a point where she's like she's done she's finished and it just takes one to change it though you know mm. often we get women coming first unfortunately because you know men are more often are more resistant and it just takes one to change it because in her doing the work and changing um he eventually notices the difference and he will come on board so often you know it takes her to come first so it takes work yeah thanks work work takes work excellent so thanks very much for all that information guys really appreciate it now, I know you have both got massive entrepreneurial backgrounds. <laughs> what are the sort of businesses and investments that you're involved in? So we've obviously got uh, this business that we, we run together and we hold events in Australia and the US. Uh, Marie runs a very large uh, hairdressing uh, enterprise in, in central Perth, yep. which at the moment is, is closed and hopefully it will reopen afterwards. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I um, invest in the share market. So um, I do a lot of investments um, in trading the share market, more medium to longer term investments where I'm looking for opportunities like we're currently in where the market has gone down and is undervaluing confidence. So companies have like an intrinsic value and at the moment, uh, because of fear, the price is below those intrinsic values. Right. So what we know from that is that eventually uh, those prices will go back up again. So there's a lot of money to be made. We also have had uh, a long history uh, background in property. Yep. So, you know, I started um, with my own property company and I've done a lot of developments over the years, mostly in commercial, some residential like apartments and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but more recently, we've just started up in partnership with fund in the US of buying um, US retail shopping centers, but very specific ones. So we've got a very strict criteria of one of the type of tenants that we want in those centres. Demographically, where they're located, are they the best um, locations or stores for those particular tenants? In other words, within the top 100 stores um, in the US for those particular tenants, so we know our cash flow is safe. Yeah. And we can buy those assets at the moment at really, really good prices and yields. So, um, you know, you can get a bank rate, obviously, at the moment of like 1%. We can buy these things at 7 
Right, yeah. Nice. So that's seven times return you can get in the bank at the moment. Yeah. And we also know that the, the rents are going to go up, even though at the moment there's obviously a challenge. This will be a short-term challenge in the US. The economy will recover, it will come back, spending will come back, and the tenants will be strong. And certainly the ones that we're going to buy, or the centres with those tenants we're going to buy, um, will remain strong. So there's some of the criteria that we look for in those centres. Yeah, right. So I know commercial, the commercial landscape itself has changed. And there's a lot of e-commerce. There's a lot of importation from overseas. Uh, yes. How do you, what, what sort of anchor tenants do you look for in your commercial? Yeah. Great question. So 10% of the total retail market in the US is e-commerce. So um, Amazon, as an example, are opening um, brick and mortar stores. So it's like, hang on, why is the largest e-commerce retailer in the world opening brick and mortar stores? Because Jeff Bezos is obviously a very smart guy. He realizes that there is a limit to how much the internet can take of total retail spend. That's why he bought um, a company called Whole Foods, which is a supermarket retailer. And now they're going into a supermarket retailing themselves. This is Amazon with brick and mortar stores for exactly that reason. It can only reach a certain proportion. So we want to buy retailers who are internet proof, who have got a demonstrated history of their turnover, not going down because of the internet, in fact, going up. So uh, Ross's, as an example, which is a discount clothing retailer in the US, has no e-commerce um, presence whatsoever because it doesn't suit their model. They're selling clothes at around 10 to $12 in price. Point. And if you think about it, you can't drop ship that stuff at that price. By the time you buy it, add in drop shipping, you're going to be making a loss. But they can make a profit in selling it in the stores because of volume. Mm -hmm. So they have three and a half thousand stores in the US, no e commerce potential, and their turnover is going up. Last year, it went up by 7%. Wow. Incredible. That's because people are looking to save money. Affordability is money. Everything, isn't so it? why wouldn't I buy a center where I've got that retailer in it, knowing if they're making 7% growth in their um, turnover, they could afford to pay good rent increases. Yeah. And it's essential to them to have great locations. And then I want to research, if I'm going to buy this particular center, where does this center, with a shop for them, rank in terms of one to three and a half thousand, where does it rank? If it's in their top 100, no matter what happens in a recession, they're going to hang on to that store. They might cut other stores, but they're not going to cut that store because that store is making them lots of money. Right. And how long did it take you to come up with that sort of selection criteria? Was it uh, about 40 years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not an overnight sort of thing then. That's just from experience, Neil. Like I've bought and traded and built a lot of shopping centers right around Australia. Yeah. So the retail environment is the same. The difference is that I can buy a tenant like Ross's, which has a turnover of $20 billion a year. Yeah. I can't buy a tenant like that in Australia. So I'm looking at the security of my cash flow in those commercial centers that I'm looking to buy. Yeah. Cash flow is so much more solid and secure than I can buy here in Australia. Cash flow That's is king. Cash flow is king, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to get you on the podcast just to specifically talk about your real estate journey because it's uh, incredibly impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, look, I'd love to. I love, love talking about relationships, love talking about uh, money. 
happy to do both. So what kind of mentors and coaches have you had throughout your careers like individually and together to help you get to where you're oh, at? We, we, it's, it's in our marriage files, Neil, that every year we, we do personal development work ourselves. Yep. So every year we go around the world and we do a course ourselves because it's important to invest in yourself because if you don't invest in you, who else is going to invest in you? Correct. So in our marriage every year, we've gone around the world and done a course. And when the kids were young, we would go separately. We had two kids under one, had the Irish twins. Yep. So that was hard to do it together. But now, you know, we, we, they're old enough now and we go do it together. So, you know, it's important, I think, to invest in yourself. Yeah. And we've done that consistently. You know, we married uh, 25 years together, 27. Yeah. And we actually met during a personal development course. And that has just been part of our DNA, our nature now that, that we invest in that. So if I want to find out about the stock market, I will read every single book I can find on Warren Buffett, and I have. Yeah. If I want to understand spirituality and religions, I will read everything from the Bhagavad Gita um, through to the Bible, through to Eckhart Tolle, to Sadhguru, to whoever is an expert in that area. And I wanted to know about NLP. Um, I found out about NLP. Um, we invested and I went and worked with Richard Bandler, who's one of the co-creators of NLP. There were people here in Australia that I could have gone to that learnt down the line from Richard, but if he's alive, why wouldn't I go straight to the very source of that? We flew straight to Italy. <laughs> yeah, nice. So of all the, all the personal development courses that you've both done, mm. there's three each that you could recommend to somebody else that could really make a difference in their lives by, without, without your own courses. <laughs> well, I was about to put that as number one, actually, because that, that is the synthesis of everything that we've learned over the last, you know, 30 years of having done this work. Yeah. Um, some of the, the best ones that I've been to uh, were certainly the NLP course uh, with yeah. Richard Bandler. Yeah, I would say Richard Bandler. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, he is. He's doing it in Florida, which is where I also went. Um, who else? Um, look, I've you know done stuff with Eckhart Tolle from a spiritual point of view. Um, you know, I think his teachings and what he's realised about the nature of a human being between um, ourselves and our egos, as he puts it, uh, is quite profound for anyone to investigate and learn about. And the other one would have to be Anthony Robbins. Yeah, um, you know, we've we've done all of Robbins's courses. Um, he certainly had a huge impact uh, in terms of us doing this work. Very days, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's where I found out about NLP as an example. So I learned that he learned from Bandler, so I went and learned from Bandler. Um, so they'd probably be the three, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think every single person that I've spoken to on the podcast so far has mentioned Tony Robbins as being a, a bit of a life-changing inspiration in their lives. So. Absolutely. Tony, hasn't he? Yes, he's influenced, he's influenced a huge amount of people and uh, there's no doubt he's had a profound impact and uh, we're certainly grateful for that impact that he's had. Yeah, yeah. So what does a day in the life look like for you two then? What, what's your daily routine that you go through? At the moment? <laughs> well, yeah, like pre-COVID and now. Yeah, so uh, it hasn't changed that much really. Uh, it's probably a little bit more relaxed right now because... Um, you know, I pre-COVID, I would travel a lot. So yeah. I'm actually meant to be in the US right now, um, building the, the fund. So yeah. obviously I can't do that. So pre-COVID, it would be, you know, like in the morning, I would get up and meditate. 
uh, for about 40, 45 minutes uh, in total. Um, sometime during the day, uh, I would do an exercise, uh, regime of some, some sort. And um, then I would have a green smoothie shake in the morning, uh, we both do. Brett would usually do breakfast, so he would do green smoothies for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, then the kids go off to school, um, and I would um, get stuck into something, you know, yeah. you know, either some sort of course or write something. And I do some personal mentoring clients, um, so I would probably put you know two days away a week to do that. Weekends, it's um, you know we're quite social. We always have people over. There's always someone staying. And weekends, we would maybe um, take the kids or their friends out in the boat, and you know do the tire thing where we're pulling them along. <laughs> Pre-COVID, we would travel a lot. So um, you know, we I did eight trips to the US last year. The family came on two of those. Uh, we travelled to Bali. Uh, to do one of our events there, but also to have a holiday. We went uh, skiing in Japan. And about two years ago, we took the kids out of school for about 15 months, mm -hmm. and we worked and travelled. And that was great, actually. You would go to, what was the coffee shop we went to in America? We Starbucks. Went to Starbucks. We'd go to Starbucks, who had great internet, and we would do maybe, you know, two, two and a half hours of school. Yeah. And that was enough. You know, then we would put that to bed, then we would sightsee, travel, run, run some seminars. So that was, that was a great time. And just incredibly, the kids came back from that just um, so much more advanced, just with a couple of hours schooling every day. Yeah. Now, uh, in the middle of COVID, um, it's much more of what we're doing now. Still do the meditation, still do the workouts, all that sort of stuff. Uh, down the beach, um, go out on the boat. Um, you know, just do activities that we can do in this, this local area where we are now, uh, trying to, you know, stay in line with the government guidelines around that. We've been yeah. having lots of, uh, you know, Zoom parties with friends. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's amazing how everybody's adapted to this style of communication, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, you know, We've had a couple of those. With uh, people in the US and, yeah. uh, and here. It's been good, actually. It's, it's yeah. good work for me. Yeah. Hey, Brett, earlier on you mentioned that you've got the chin-up bar and you're having a competition with your son. Yeah. Who's winning the competition at the minute? <laughs> at the moment, I am, I am beating him. He doesn't yeah. like to admit that, but yeah, I am. I am. Brilliant, brilliant. So the last two questions I generally like to finish on with the podcast is what three books have, uh, have you read that are your favourite books or have been kind of life-changing? I think I, I think I have to say this one, Neil, as number one. I'm going to get a copy of that one. <laughs> it, is, it is a really good it book. It is a good book. It's one you can um, read and read, you know, as you grow, you get something different from it. Yeah. So, but I have to say, you know, many, many years ago, my very, very, very first personal development book um, I read, because I wasn't brought up with any of this, and being in Ireland, you know, we... You know, it's not something that's around. And I came across this book um, called Illusions by Richard Beck. And I read it and I was just, oh my God, it just opened up a whole new way of living. And it was my very first personal development book. And I, um, so that still has to be a favorite. Yeah. Yes. For me, it would be um, Awaken, I think is a really great read. <laughs> because I, just because I wrote it, it really is a profound read for anybody. Yeah. Um, the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, great book. Yeah, it would be a second one. And from a business point of view, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Oh, 
so I've been searching for this on Audible, but it's only available in hardback copy. Yeah, okay. It is, it is a great book um, to read. Just really clarifies how to set up and run a company. What are the principles you need to follow? And um, I forget the name of the book now, but uh, um, the author's name was Snowball, and uh, it was uh, about uh, Warren Buffett. Right. Which a biography is done about three years ago. That was an awesome book too for a read, just understanding how he approached uh, investment profoundly. He's a bit of a machine. I know that's four, but I just thought I'd chuck that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, what's, what's your best place to eat in Perth? What's your favourite restaurant? Oh, Brett took me on a date um, a couple of weeks ago when we had we went to the Burrs, we were listening to some music and we went to Silks, the nice. Chinese restaurant there. And yeah. oh, it was just such a nice night. Yeah, yeah. That, that and Nobu would be yeah. uh, two, probably two, favorite, yeah. two favorite restaurants. Yeah, yeah they've got some the Nobu food, food just melts in your mouth. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, we like our food. Yeah, everybody. Oh, there's so much good food in Perth. That's the thing. There's so many good restaurants and bars and yeah. um, cafes and just, oh, God, I can't wait till we get back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thanks very much for coming on. I really appreciate your time and the knowledge that you shared with us. And it, it's been really insightful for me. Oh, well, it's our pleasure. I hope everybody else got some uh, insights from it too. No, thank you. Thanks for having us on the, the podcast, Neil. It's great to be here. And just remember, too, there's lots of podcasts there which are free, so your viewers can tap into those. Brilliant. Brilliant. We love free content. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, join us again next week on the Perth Entrepreneur Podcast. And remember, every master was once a disaster and every winner was once a beginner.